The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is May 23rd. We're talking about the final head coach head coaching nominees for the Milwaukee Bucks role. We'll roll through all of them. We'll pick a winner uh, and we'll talk about the good and the bad for all of them. We'll also get into the Green Bay Packers getting the NFL draft, what it means, why it is significant, why you should avoid the haters, and much more. Then we will talk about lessons learned from the Nuggets sweep over the Lakers. We'll talk more in the sense of the Milwaukee Bucks. How can we apply what the Nuggets did to the Lakers and how they've built their roster to the next year of the Milwaukee Bucks? And then a very quick burr take to round out the show. So loaded Tuesday. Had to give it to the people after taking yesterday off. Hope you guys were okay with that. I hope you understand. Uh, if I ever get a chance, maybe, I don't know, maybe Friday show, we can talk a little bit about just the creative funk that I've been in, but that's okay. Uh, you know, it, it's the show goes on and it's exciting this week. We're going to have Keg Jams back uh, tomorrow. I have an awesome uh, kind of headline topic for uh, me and Jay Ken. That is a tease. Uh, then Mitch and I t- on Thursday and then Friday, you will have me. Even though it is Memorial Day Friday, our Friday shows are always well listened. They are always bangers. So we are going to have a Friday pod even on a holiday weekend. That's what I do for the people. All right. Let's, well, we got to tell people before. I was going to say let's waste some more time. Let's get into it. But just a reminder, tab the keg on Twitter. Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, we are also uh, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, throw this in the group chat. Be like, hey, look, this guy was not here yesterday. He's here today. There is a lot to talk about. And I'm excited because May hasn't given us a lot of these opportunities. So I'm looking forward to it. And let's waste no more time. The Milwaukee Bucks have come to a round of three, a final group of candidates, if you will. Just like in any other job, the Milwaukee Bucks will be picking from these three coaches, it seems, unless something crazy were to happen. Here is what Adrian Wojnarowski had today, saying that the Milwaukee Bucks will be narrowing their coaching search to final meetings with Nick Nurse Kenny Atkinson, and Adrian Griffin. Nurse looms prominently in the Phoenix and Philadelphia searches, sources say, according to Wojnarowski. So the decision will be made this week, it seems. If the Bucks are trolls like maybe <laughs> people think they are, this news will get dropped on Friday afternoon. And if it does, I will say this. I'm not, I usually don't do anything Memorial Day weekend. I don't have a lot of friends that are inviting me out to cabins. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, but I will probably do a podcast then. If, if, if it breaks Friday, that is a Charlie Trichler guarantee. Uh, I don't usually use my last name on this show, but that's okay. Uh, we'll take it back. That is a Charlie Tapping the Keg guarantee that we will have a show on Saturday. Just instant reaction. Uh, maybe if Mitch is around Friday, I can get him to uh, say a few words, see what he thinks, uh, and then kind of get it. And I'm sure Mitch and I will discuss where we're at um, on Thursday's show. But I want to run through all the names. I want to give you guys sort of the best and worst about all of these guys and make a decision and say who I'm, I'm endorsing uh, as the Bucks head coach. 
because wow, everyone can endorse. I feel like you know it used to be just like political candidates, and you're seeing a little bit of that now as the 2024 uh, presidential election gets ramped up. But I, I, there were guys that were endorsing Joel Embiid for MVP. So if you know Draymond Green can endorse Joel Embiid for MVP, why the fuck can't I endorse a head coaching candidate, right? Uh, so that's what I'm gonna do, and we're gonna run through it though, and we're gonna I'm gonna explain kind of how I came to that decision at the very end. So we have Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson is an awesome player development guy. But from what you read, Kenny Atkinson does a great job in terms of working with his guys and getting his guys in a better spot and getting to where you know he wants them to be. Kenny is also very big in the analytics. Um, some people might turn their nose on that. I understand that analytics is sometimes a, I won't even say a naughty word, but it's, it's a word that has gotten bastardized throughout the last few years because I feel like analytics all the rage now it's like do we take analytics too far you know it you need to sort of meet in the middle with analytics but Kenny is a big analytics guy Steve Kerr was quoted as saying why they brought Atkinson on his coaching staff was because of the analytics of basketball he has a similar coaching style to Mike Budenholzer he actually worked under Mike Budenholzer with the Atlanta Hawks now I know what some of you might say Charlie that screams red flag there are some red flag parts of that. I'm not going to deny that. The positionless basketball worries me slightly, right? I think sometimes my frustration with the Bucks offense, their half-course offense especially, was the fact that Giannis would take up the ball and it would kind of clog. Uh, Bill Simmons one time called Doc Rivers' offense the clogged toilet offense. And I felt like the Bucks, when they have Giannis leading up the court, it is a clogged toilet offense. It's basically a bunch of guys on the wing expecting Giannis to make a move, and then a double comes, and then a three is available. That is basically the Milwaukee version of the clogged toilet offense, where there's no screens, there's no motion, there's no back cuts, nothing like that. There's no getting in the dunker spot. So, you know, Giannis would have options. So it might, it's not just Hayes out on the three-point point line it's also that they're going to pass now Atkinson does run a motion-based offense so like kind of like Mike D'Antoni Mike D'Antoni is one of the guys that Atkinson uh looks up to and I think if Mike D'Antoni still wants to coach I mean he's 71 years old he's an old dude right but if Mike D'Antoni still wants to coach he's not going to get the head job for the Philadelphia 76ers because Daryl Daryl Morey has an obsession with James Harden much like Neil McCauley had an obsession with Robin Banks in the movie Heat which is an absolute classic that I just watched for the first time this weekend I could talk I could do probably 10 minutes on Heat and I won't but it's worth it's worth just the comparison alone. I had to get it in there. Uh, I had to at least get one heat in heat reference in there. I'm not going to deny you deny that there might be others. But anyways, Atkinson yes has a motion motion style style system. D'Antoni, if he wants to come back, I think he would be a great assistant to kind of keep sort of the offensive momentum there and to you know avoid sort of these clogged toilet moments and really sort of make shit happen in the in the half court offense for the Milwaukee Bucks. Also, uh, he likes a deep bench. He's a big fan of going pretty deep on the bench. A similar tendency to Mike Budenholzer. I don't actually hate that. In during the regular season, I think it's good. It's a good idea to know what you have with all of your guys. I think that sometimes can lead 
to the Lonnie Walker moments in the playoffs, right? Where Darvin Ham pulled Lonnie Walker off the bench and Lonnie Walker lit it up and then there was the Lonnie Walker game. And I know Laker fans are down bad with getting swept by the, the Nuggets, but you will at some point probably remember the moments. And this is a pretty unreal run for LA. Even though they you know, got swept, they still beat Memphis pretty handily. They, I think, were a much better team against the Golden State Warriors. It wasn't one of those where it's like, man, the Warriors should have been here. I think the Warriors belong. So I still think the Lakers should, the Laker fans should hold their head high. I don't know. I doubt we have a lot of Laker fans listening. But I, I just, so, and I know we're going to talk about it later, but the the whole like Lonnie Walker experience, I think that's why you have a deep bench. That's why you, you play that deep bench sometimes. Also, they love shooting threes. And that's what the Bucks are built on right now with the roster they have. So it's it still could look a lot like Mike Boonholzer, but here's why I think it's okay that he has some similarities to Mike Boonholzer. I think Atkinson's teams are more tough-nosed. I think they're grittier. I think there is an edge to the way Atkinson plays. Atkinson kind of has a little bit of that Mike Malone in him where it's the chip on your shoulder. It's like everybody doesn't think you're good. Fuck you guys. We're the best team in the NBA. I'll tell you a story. When he was coaching the Brooklyn Nets, the Nets were always undervalued by Vegas. Every time, it seemed like the Nets were like eight-point dogs, six-point dogs, and it was just free money all the time because the Nets were always in it. The Nets did not beat themselves. The Nets, you had to beat that basketball team, and that wasn't a good basketball team. Look at those rosters. Those were not good basketball teams, yet Atkinson got that team to a six seed, and I believe they went. I think they went six against Philly in that series, if I'm not mistaken. Atkinson's gonna get like he's not gonna let the collapses that we saw with the Bucks in the playoffs this season happen. Like Atkinson's gonna be one of those guys to put his foot out in front and make sure that it doesn't occur. You also have to consider Mike Brown, right? Mike Brown, who was on the Warriors staff. He had a bad, terrible experience with the Lakers after the Cavs. But then as an assistant for the Warriors, he bounced back to deliver the best season in Sacramento that they've had in 17 years. One coach of the year unanimously. I'm not saying like that would be the expectation. Like I guess if Atkinson would win coach of the year, you wouldn't want to get bounced in the first round, of course. Like the Atkinson parallel would be that he takes the Bucs back to the finals and in his first year. And I, I don't think... That is out of the question for any of the guys we talk about. Even Adrian Griffin, honestly, uh, which I might sound crazy, but trust me on that one. And so I think when I look at Atkinson, I really like the profile. I think there is something to admire about what he has. And I think the fact that he took didn't take the Charlotte job is was so smart. Because he knew that there were bigger jobs. He knew that there there might be bigger fish to fry. I provided a theory yesterday, or I think it was last week actually, excuse me, that Atkinson might stay. Because if Steve Kerr you know, decides to move up to the front office after the Bob Myers thing gets figured out, why wouldn't Atkinson just step right into coaching Golden State? And that still could be on the table. And that's another contingency to worry about if you're the Milwaukee Bucks this week and why you have to sort of make make a move sooner rather than later. All right, let's let's go to Nick Nurse. Uh, Nick Nurse is a defensive wizard. Nick Nurse is a guy who is going to absolutely figure out and exploit weaknesses on the other side of the ball. Nick Nurse will harass a guy like Jalen Brown. 
Nick Nurse would have had Giannis Antetokounmpo on Jimmy Butler. Nick Nurse will do a lot of defensive things that we have not seen out of a Bucks team in a very long time. He is a tactician. That's a word that gets thrown around a lot with Nick Nurse. Now, his offense stalled a bit in the half court without a guy. I think this is a really important distinction. So Nick Nurse, when he had Kawhi Leonard, their offense was great. Their offense was cooking. Kawhi Leonard was sort of the key cog, obviously. He's one of the best players in the NBA when he's healthy. It's a key thing you have to add, the qualifier for Kawhi Leonard. But you look at the Raptors last couple of years, there's really not that guy last five minutes who's going to win you the game, right? It's Pascal Siakam. It's Fred Van Vliet, Scotty Barnes. Uh, those guys can get hot in moments, in spurts, right? They can have a, a really good game. They can go for 40 if you're Van Vliet or Siakam or so. But at the same time, they're not the reliable guy that Giannis Antetokounmpo or Kawhi Leonard, when healthy, uh, is. And, and that, to me, is where I look at the offense for Nick Nurse, and I'm not that concerned about it. Nick Nurse also came in as this offensive genius, too. Like, Nick Nurse... I think might be too smart for his own good. I think that's where he kind of wears on players, and we'll talk about that in a second here. But I think that Nick Nurse is really smart on both sides of the ball. I think he's going to do, would do so many different things with what the Milwaukee Bucks do on both sides of the ball. I I think personally, just given who I think Wes Edens is and Jimmy Haslam, you know, are, I guess are, it would be the better grammatical way to say that. Like, I think those guys are going to buy into Nick Nurse hard. I, I don't know who my nominee, who my endorsement will be. But I, I think if I'm thinking about Edens and, La- and uh, Haslam, I, you want to say Lazarus. Edens and Lazarus were kind of the two you'd mentioned. I think they're going to buy in to what Nurse is selling. I think there is sort of a Matson Gojo sort of thing with him. Not that he's a huckster like, like Matson, but like that sort of like idealistic shit. I think Edens could really get behind. And the other stuff that Nick Nurse is great at is the in-game. He's really solid making those in-game adjustments. I don't think the Bucs would collapse like they did against Miami Heat with Nick Nurse. I don't think the Bucs would have lost that series even with the Giannis injury with Nick Nurse at the, round, at the helm. I think Nick Nurse would find just different ways to work his guys and to find opportunities on both sides of that basketball. And I, I don't I don't necessarily have like the, those reservations. I, that's not the stuff that scares me with Nick Nurse. I think the Bucks would be ready to play every night. I think there would be an aggression about them that, that hasn't really existed. I think Nurse would add a sort of an asshole, you know, mentality to them that they might need. You know, I when I was a, in high school and, you know, probably oversharing here, like I was always told I was not mean enough to play football. Like that I just didn't have a mean streak. And I, I hated that because I didn't think it was true, but it, it might have been. It might have been what, you know, made, made sure I was a D3 player and not a D1 player or whatever the fuck. It, it doesn't matter. It's it's so long ago. But I do wonder, are the Bucks missing that mean streak? And I, I think that's worth that's worth talking about. That's worth discussing. And so that's something I think Nick Nurse can bring. I think the whole like Mike Malone chip on your shoulder, we mentioned that with Atkinson, I think Nurse brings that too. I think Nurse will flame all the media members for that. I think Giannis, 
You know, we've had multiple games where we've wanted Bud to stick up for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Nick Nurse probably overdoes it. Like, Nick Nurse is, I wouldn't say he's as bad as Monty Williams, but Nick Nurse complains a lot about officiating, and he's gotten fined a few times. But I, I think that would be such a welcome change for Nick Nurse to come in and motherfuck these officials and say Giannis needs more calls and pound the table for Giannis. I think something we, we don't have. But that strength can also be a weakness for Nick Nurse. He's been known to call out guys. He called out Gary Trent last year uh, after the season. Uh, he is not shy to you know be direct about you know what's going on here and do it in the media. He wore out his welcome in Toronto. He's like, yeah, I was ten years, you know, five as an assistant, five as a head coach. It was just time. I understand that, but if you're this revered, I think there is a little bit of. I've called him Hipster Tibbs. I think that Hipster Tibbs thing is exists. And so I do worry about that with a guy in Antetokounmpo that's two years away from free agency. Now, if Nurse unlocks and Giannis wins two more titles, Giannis ain't going anywhere. And I'm not really worried about it. But that, you want to talk about worst case scenario, is the coach you hire is the beginning of the end for Antetokounmpo. And that would, I mean, obviously wreck this entire city's love of Bucks basketball. Now, the minutes thing, it'll be discussed at nauseum because he played his guys a lot of minutes. He plays his starters a lot of minutes. I sort of stand in the side that I think the extra minutes will ultimately be all right. I think Giannis will have to learn how to control himself and not wear himself down. But I do think it gets Giannis Antetokounmpo ready for the playoffs. I think there would be a few bizarre games where I'm like, all right, we blew out Chicago by 21, but Giannis still played 35 minutes. What are we doing here? I think that would be the stuff I'd be like, what the fuck? But I think the games where the it was close, the Bucks win, beat the Heat by six, and Giannis played 38 minutes in the game, I think would be you know welcomed, right? We haven't seen that version of Antetokounmpo. Now, does it lead to potentially more injuries? Yeah. Does it lead to potentially... You know, more baskets, more attention, more MVP buzz, more, you know, understanding of how great Giannis is. Yeah, that too. Does it also lead to the Bucks probably being a better basketball team because they have Giannis on the, on the court for six more minutes? And those six minutes, I'm sure you could do the math and having what the, you know, sort of value is. I'm not that talented in math, but I'm sure if you did that, and that's a little fun equation for those who are in math and, you know, are wanting to kill some time on Tuesday. Take, you know, whatever Giannis's production is in 32 and do over 38 minutes. I'm sure the numbers are going to be stunning. I'm sure they're going to be out of this world. And I'm sure Giannis and Nurse are going to work on a healthy, you know, sort of agreement. I'm sure they'll, they will have conversations about this. So it's not like Nick Nurse is going to come in and tell Giannis Antetokounmpo he's playing fucking 40 minutes a game. That's not going to happen. The last part about Nurse that just worries me a bit is there was a growing complaint in Toronto and part of the reason why he was ousted is that he did not really grow the young talent there. That he really didn't have time for young guys. That it's similar to Bud in the sense that his systems might have been too smart for his own good. Now that worries me with a guy like Marjan Beauchamp. Uh, I think AJ Green could be a, a guy off the bench. Uh, I, I think there are other young guys who will come in. 
that could be contributors. I, I really do think they need to look long and hard at some undrafted guys. You know, AJ Green might be one. I, I, I do think there is there is something to, you know, the DNA of what we've seen from the Heat and the Nuggets. Maybe it's not undrafted guys, but it may be just taking a chance on a younger guy who fell out of flavor at his first place. That's another option, right? So I, I do I do think that that is a slight concern with Nate Nurse. Uh, so I want that want you all to keep that one in mind uh, because it's it is similar to Bud and would mean bad things maybe for Marjan Bochamp unless Nick Nurse saw something in Bochamp and thinks Bochamp could be a vital contributor and a role player, which I think he can be. I, I think you know Bochamp certainly has that ability and. It's too bad that he wasn't allowed to sort of play through his rookie slumps. And uh, that's definitely one of the bigger regrets of the Bucks season. You just don't know what you actually had. Bud just was done with him and didn't want to use him and didn't find five minutes for him, which he certainly could have. Uh, he, in like the games where everyone was fully healthy and then games they're not, it really didn't make sense why Bochamp didn't get more minutes just to try him out there. I mean, Christian Braun... When we'll mention him when we do the lesson stuff, that guy, you know, had a ups and downs just like Bochamp, drafted around the same time. And he was yeah, there were bad there were bad stretches, but that's a rookie, man. You're gonna have bad stretches. And so I, I do worry about that with a guy like Nurse, where he might not allow for those bad stretches, similar to Mike Boonoser. All right, to round it out with Adrian Griffin before the endorsement. Griffin was the guy behind Nurse defensively. Griffin's been known for his defensive game plans. So who's driving the car on defense? Is it Nurse? Is it Griffin? Are they sharing that? What does that look like? I think that that's the first question I have. He's a player's coach. He's really, really well-respected. I think there would be something about a former coach or former NBA player coaching this team. I think guys would gravitate towards that. I think... The older guys, like the Drew Holidays, the Brooke Lopez's of the world, would really respond well to something like that. I also think a Giannis would, you know, enjoy that. I mean, Darvin Ham was a former coach who they all fucking loved. And Bobby Portis mentioned it. I don't, can't remember what we talked about it on a podcast about that, that basically Portis said on Twitter, like people underestimated the impact Darvin Ham had on our team. And so when you hear that, you wonder, like, do you need to make sure you have an X player on staff? Now, if you want to put a little tinfoil hat on, you could say, well, they're interviewing Nick, Nick, one of Nick Nurse's head assistants. Adrian Griffin's not, I don't know, in the running in Detroit or in Philadelphia or in Phoenix or any of the other job openings. Is this a package deal? Are they bringing Griffin to not only to interview, but to say, hey, if we go with Nick Nurse, are you going to want to join his staff? It's, some, it's food for thought, right? I mean, he knows Nurse is getting interviewed. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. I think, obviously, the concerns of Griffin are just all the unknowns as a head coach. We don't know what we have because we've not seen it before. I think if they were going to go this route, I think the hope would have been Chris Quinn. But I do wonder, is Chris Quinn sort of the NCAA tournament version of a coach? Remember the guys in the NCAA tournament where they just go off? And you're like, oh, you got to draft that guy. You got to draft that guy. My favorite example is Derek Williams. I love, I fucking loved Derek Williams at Arizona. That NCAA tournament run was pretty solid for him as well. And Derek Williams was going second to Minnesota. And he is a complete utter bust. Dante Vincenzo, another great example. A guy who probably would have went in the 30s, 20s. 
Bucks take him because he had an awesome NCAA tournament. DJ Wilson, another guy. Bucks were Bucks are addicted to that. DJ Wilson's another great example of a, of a guy who caught lightning in the bottle for a few games. So bring it back to Chris Quinn. Chris Quinn is the hot name in the streets. He's being called Mini Spo, and it's because of all the stuff that he do. But I, I do wonder a little bit. Like, I'm not trying to shit on heat culture. I agree with all the guys I listen to, Big Cat, Rosillo, Simmons. Like, we can't make fun of heat culture anymore. But would you worry it a, a tiny bit that heat culture is similar to, like, the Patriots and Belichick, and you can't replicate that? And if you try, it's going to come off really weird. That would be my only fear with Chris Quinn. So I, I think Griffin is an okay choice. And I think Quinn is not maybe as good. Like we need to take some of the shine off of the Heat's lead assistant. But yeah, I, I think Griffin would be a fine choice. I, I don't think it's a choice for a team trying to win a championship. I think that's a, a good choice for the Pistons. I think it's a good choice for a team who's kind of in the middle, right? If Cleveland would fire J.B. Bickerstaff tomorrow and hire Adrian Griffin, I actually think that'd be a great move. I know they have other guys available and, may, and that would be probably better. But I don't think that would be a bad move by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think that would be a bad move by, I don't, I don't want to say Memphis. I'm not saying like Taylor Jenkins has is you know under any fire or pressure. But like that would, I think, actually be a really good good pick for Memphis. Because that would be a guy who maybe could get with John ja and understand Ja better. But yeah, I, I, I think looking at it and making my choice, my endorsement. Man, I, I will say I've been... Very much on the Kenny, Nurse, Griff in that order. In the order we did the podcast. But I, man, I'm like, I'm going to go Kenny Atkinson. That was my original answer. I will stay with it. I will stay with my endorsement. But if Nick Nurse, you know, offers me a ambassadorship in Slovenia, I'm not really going to say no to it. If you know, you know on that one. So yeah, I I like Atkinson. I, I just think, there's something about Nurse that I just worry it could all implode. And that's the part that scares me. And also could go great. I just think he's a little bit riskier of a dice roll than what I think Atkinson is. I think Atkinson is the safe one. I think Nurse is a bit of the wild card. And I think Griffin is the, fuck it, we're, not, we're just going to buck the trend completely and go in a completely different direction. That would be... The Griffin hire would be akin to like Mike McCarthy getting the Packers job in 2007. Good time to talk about the Packers because they were also in the news today. Uh, they got the NFL draft 2025, Mark Murphy's crowning achievement. Mark Murphy has been trying for this draft forever. There's podcasts that I did way back when, you'd have to probably Google, probably be your best bet, where I talked about how I didn't think Green Bay would ever get the draft. Uh, I just felt like, it was too small of a city. I felt like they didn't have enough hotels. I felt like it was just it, it was just not built for it. And then the weather, because it started to become this 100,000 fan event. And I was like, guys, it's fucking cold. Like it's cold in late April. Andy Herman of uh, Pack-A-Day Podcast had something where it was like 44 degrees on the, on the Thursday of the draft, and I got up to like 56. It's kind of nice over the weekend. But that's that's really chilly to be outside watching a bunch of guys get drafted, as well as the players who are sitting in the green room. Like that, that does not sound like a great experience. 
And so that was those were my reservations up front. But now that it's happened, I'm very happy for really everyone involved. I mean, this is a huge win for the Packers. The state of Wisconsin keeps rolling in these big ticket items. You have the RNC coming in 2024. Now you have the draft in 2025. You have, you've had some golf majors here in the past with the Ryder Cup uh, recently, and I'm sure a few others uh, that I haven't necessarily looked up or fact-checked at this moment. But I think the larger point is that you just keep bringing stuff to this state because the state responds. And there's going to be a great amount of people that are going to want to flock to Lambeau Field. Not only Packer fans, but fans from all of the teams. There are so many teams where their their squad has not played at Lambeau Field in a very long time. And to go to Lambeau Field on a random Sunday is a little bit more difficult than three days of the draft. Yeah, you want to be there for night one, but maybe it makes more sense to go night two or night three. Uh, night two, three and four, two and three, excuse me, are Friday and Saturday. So you can you know, drive up from Milwaukee and fly in on Friday and have a hotel in Milwaukee. There's a lot of opportunity here. And so I think you're going to get a swarm of fans. I think there are people trying to probably already book hotels. A buddy of mine who lives in Green Bay said he already got asked for tickets and he has two people to stay, stay the night already. I had friends in my group chat that were wanting to go. I'm not as big on it. I, Shannon and I are going to talk about this tomorrow. So I'm not going to, I'll leave it with, with that there. But I think it's a, it's, it's a bigger deal than maybe some are making it out to be. Um, just because A, the impact, but B, I think there is a real excitement. I think that all of these different cities, whether it's Kansas City, Chicago, Vegas, they've all made it, look, Nashville, they all made it look like a real fucking party. And the atmosphere is sort of why I think everyone is excited about it. I kind of tried to figure out why everyone was, was just all fired up besides the, hey, this is going to make a lot of money for the Packers as well as the state, which is, which is ultimately the best thing. And I think it's the... It's a, it's a huge achievement for Murphy. And Murphy then can say, well, I got the draft if the Packers don't get another Super Bowl before Mark Murphy has to retire in 2025. Like, I just think there is a coup de grace for Mark. And that's a big thing. And that's, that matters. He And it, without Titletown, there, or with Titletown, there's a draft. Without it, there is no such thing. And he had the foresight to build something I can't remember if it was before the Deer District or right as the Deer District was kind of being built. I think, I think the Deer District was after Titletown. But regardless, like, Titletown is the makeup of exactly what you want for a draft. So we'll sort of see how it all shapes out. Um, we got some time. I will offer a, or well, I did want to talk about the negative reaction too. But before we, I do that, I do have a cons- another conspiracy. Uh, the tinfoil hats is out again. I brought it back out. So, you know, Packers, obviously, we just talked about the weather. We talked about April, right? We're like, yeah, that doesn't look great. Is this a possible tell that the NFL is extending the season to 18 games? That we're going to have an 18-game season with two buys? And the Super Bowl will be President's Day weekend. So it won't be Valentine's Day weekend, which I believe the Super Bowl this year falls on Valentine's Day. Have fun with that. That's a pre-plan. 
That's I'm giving you that right now. Put it in your fucking calendars if you have a significant other and figure out contingency. Good luck. Is this a tell by the NFL? Because if the NFL bumps it bumps the Super Bowl by a week, and I don't know when these these rules are up. We change the rules all the time. We have a new we have a Thursday night flex for only one year only. One year only. We're gonna do a Thursday night flex from weeks 13 to week 17. So fucking I just, I'm not even gonna go there. But anyways, is this a is this a tell? Are they telling us that actually this draft is going to be the weekend of the Kentucky Derby? So and the weekend of really a big NBA weekend. I think that's usually the start of the second round. Um, it's it's usually a well-renowned sort of the I guess the pregame to like summer like May is just the kickoff of you just start doing shit and you're outside a little bit more sometimes you get better weather obviously um, I think the weather in that weekend was a little bit more improved it, it wasn't that great but it was it was at least a touch better so I just wonder are they telling us something with this that they're gonna bump it back one week. And that this is going to be a lot different. Not a lot different. I shouldn't say that. But like that there is something afoot here. Just, just food for thought. Just keep, keep that in the tickler file for, uh, for, the, for the remainder of the, uh, the year and, and going forward. And like I said, I mean, you, things can change every year. We're going to have a Thursday. I, the Thursday Night Flex thing, guys. I said it. I, I, I think I said it last week or when we were talking about all the games and just how everything is spread out. I, I really do believe there is a saturation point developing with the NFL. I know you guys probably think I'm fucking crazy, but I, I really do believe at some point we're going to be like, all right, enough. I also don't know why Amazon, if they wanted this so fucking bad, and remember the ratings were pretty terrible. Uh, L- Lacken, is it Lation? I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce his name. One of the Murdoch sons. Probably one of the, I don't know if he's Roman Roy or he's kind of Roy. Uh, that's two succession references in, in this pod today. Uh, but he was like, yeah, 43% compared to Fox. Like that's terrible. And was talking about how bad it was. And of course, you know, I had to ruffle Be- Bezos's feathers. Uh, but if you're Amazon, why don't you just do the game on Saturday? Why don't you work with the NFL and just be like, you know, those Saturday games you guys get? Can we flex those and those be our Thursday night flexes into Saturday? So that's one. The tra- then the sort of rest isn't there. You could do it a little more in the moment. These have to be done 28 days in advance. Do you know how much fucking shit can change in 28 days in the NFL? A whole hell of a lot. That makes no sense to me at all. Um, don't like it. And kudos to the Packers for voting against it. Last final thought on the draft stuff. I saw some people were outraged at Ben Albright, who is a perpetual troll, on Twitter saying, like, Ben was like, he basically couldn't understand Green Bay. He's like, Milwaukee, I could kind of get. And I I always had the take. My take was, like, hey, do it in both. Do, you know, first two nights in Green Bay and then Saturday night, Saturday, do it in Milwaukee. That was sort of my suggestion. But Ben Albright's getting cooked on Twitter. And I saw two different independent Packer media outlets do like outrage videos to it. Guys, we don't always have to be the chip on our shoulder, young, scrappy, pull them up by the bootstraps type fans. I, I don't I don't get that mentality. I, I'm starting to hate it as a Wisconsin sports fan. I don't think everything is fucking disrespect. 
Some of it is, but it's like, yes, we're a flyover state, okay? Some people have not traveled to Green Bay. Some of these journalists, some of the people who will do the draft have never been to Green Bay, Wisconsin. That's okay. It's a bit of a culture shock. It's a culture shock for everybody. But as I've told people when I meet them, whether it's on vacation or just shooting the shit, and they're like, yeah, I've never been to Lambeau. I'm like, oh, you gotta go. It's a cultural experience. It's more than just football. But you don't understand that until you get there. Is it going to be a little messy? Yeah, I see some problems on the horizon. That place isn't built for the traffic that that, that there's going to be. There are some actual red flag problems that they're gonna probably need to work on immediately. I don't know what kind of construction is taking place, but you can probably get some a lot of shit done in two years. They're going to have to work on those things. There's going to have to be more hotel. I don't know if you can build a hotel, but maybe you can. But I, I do think there are some red flag stuff that's at least worth discussing. But you don't have to be outraged at every time there's a little bit of disrespect. There are times to be mad about being disrespected. Packers being the... You know, plus 400 to win the division is disrespect. That's gross. That should never fucking happen. But this, this isn't worth our time. All right? And Ben Albright, let's, now the final thought of Ben Albright. Ben Albright's the same guy who had a public breakup on Twitter leaked like three weeks ago. And he looked awful in doing it. That guy fucking stinks. He is not worth our time. All right? Just food for thought. Bigger fish to fry, guys. All right, let's finish up today's show with lessons learned from the Nuggets sweep over the Lakers. These lessons are not necessarily like, you know, Jokic is great, Mike Malone, whatever. Uh, it's more about like what we can learn as Bucks fans and what the Bucks could potentially apply to what the Nuggets did and how they could build roster similar to the Nuggets. Not saying it's exactly because it's not a one-to-one, right? But I, I do think they need to look for the Bruce Brown KCP assets. I've said this a few times on the podcast, so I apologize for being repetitive. But those are the type of guys that the Bucks lacked. They signed guys like Joe Ingles. Well, I, I like Joe Ingles. I think Joe Ingles was a solid regular season player. But would I rather have Bruce Brown for that same amount of money, which I'm pretty sure they're, they're right around it? Yeah, I think I would. Bruce Brown's kind of in that P.J. Tucker mode, kind of in that I don't give a shit. Sometimes there's a little bit of the Javon Carter where he thinks it's all about Bruce Brown and thinks he's Steph Curry. But he he's a guy that can really kind of get in your ass on both sides of the ball in the best way possible. And KCP could have been had by anyone. Like KCP was definitely available. And he's a guy you could just stick in the corner and shoot threes. And the Bucks certainly needed a guy, you know, they needed threes to fall. They had guys who were supposed to be corner three-point sh- shot artists, but they weren't. And KCP had multiple moments in this series. And he's a really good two-way guy. He can play a little defense as well. Those wings sort of lacked for the Milwaukee Bucks. And it's not just wing players, but it's, it's that thought of like, 
having different interchangeable parts that work. I mean, Jeff Green's another guy who I've loved forever. And, you know, I think the joke I made with Mitch, with, I don't remember when, but I, I at one time told Mitch, I was like, yeah, Bucks will sign Jeff Green when he's like two years past his prime. Like that's that's very Bucks of us. So I, I think really trying to look for those, you know, guys who are interchangeable, the guys who can play both ways, and they might be a little distressed. That might be worth taking a flyer on. Like if your analytics teams can see something there, like let's roll, man. Let's try those out. The other thing I'm gonna point out is national championship guys. It's corny as shit, but there's something about guys who've been around winning cultures that add to your locker room. You saw what the Villanova guys did to New York. Yeah, the Knicks had a unceremonious exit, right? It did not end the way the Knicks wanted to, but the Knicks have been sort of revived. Jalen Brunson is a goddamn star. Jalen What Jalen Brunson did for New York and then spurning Dallas, if I'm a Mavericks fan, I am definitely thinking about that way more than I should because it is a seminal moment in in Mavericks history. It is, especially if Luca leaves. And but Brunson played at Villanova, won national championships, and kind of had that winning culture already built in before he stepped foot in the NBA. Christian Braun, who plays Brown. I I I always want to say Braun because of Ryan Braun. Christian Brown who was on Kansas, who I, I don't think he won MLP, but he was on that Kansas team. Oh, it was uh, OG uh, Amnabi. Uh, no, but Braun is a fucking great player and brought, you know, brought a little bit of that championship spirit. And it's not like he's trying to instill it. And, and the Bucks tried with Dante. It's not like the Bucks haven't tried this before. But I think just looking for those guys that come from character college programs is very important, especially the younger ones, right? You know, a Villanova, Duke, obviously, North Carolina. I think UCLA, I, I would consider that. I saw that with the Bucks pick, the Clippers are projected, or they one mock draft hasn't taken Jaime Yaquez, who I fucking love. Who I, if that is who gets taken at 30, I'll, I'll be very, very sad. But yeah, getting guys from those major programs that have won a lot of fucking basketball games is a good thing. If the Bucks somehow find their way into the draft in the first round, getting a UConn guy, right? Jordan Hawkins. And I think he's going way too high to be involved in that. But you, you get my point. Just bring in guys who are already winners. And that's no dig at Marjan Beauchamp, but it's it. there is something to it, I promise you. Last thought there is there's a case here for a young gunner to play with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Jamal Murray playing with Jokic is as good as it gets in terms of a top two. Now, I'm not going to overreact and say they're the best top two in the league. But I will say a tweet from Tom Fernelli, who's a college football writer, but an overall sports fan. He, you know, he's a great, great follow. I, I like Tom. I think he has some really good takes. I loved his one on Saturday night uh, that it said, Jokic and Murray are what Embiid and Harden pretend to be. That's so true. That's so fucking true. But if you really think about the Bucks and Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday, do they match Jamal Murray? Not really. And that's, I think, why a lot of Bucks fans, if you scroll Bucks Twitter, have suggested maybe to trade Drew Holiday, maybe to trade Chris Middleton. 
and not necessarily bring back the old guys and bring someone young. Anthony Simon's name has been thrown around. I think it would be a very intriguing candidate for a guy like this. There does need to be a bit of a youth movement for the Bucks, And that's the part with Nurse we talked about earlier in the show that worries me a little bit. They need to find some younger guys. They don't need to go all the way young. They don't need they don't need to get people right out of right out of like first or second year. They need to start looking for those, you know, as we said, distressed assets at 25, 26, 27. See what you have. Maybe two times it hasn't worked. But now you put them with the Bucks, you put them with Giannis Antetokounmpo, you put them with a the tough-ass coach. Maybe that's what turns around their career. We don't have those stories for the Bucks. I might have mentioned this on another show. I've certainly thought about it. Like, we're, I, yeah, I have. Because I remember I always said, I was, where's the Caleb Martins? Where's the Austin Reeves, right? Like, where are those guys? From, maybe A.J. Green's that guy, right? Maybe A.J. Green's the first. And maybe that's the start of it. But let's hope the Bucks continue to sort of figure that out. And LeBron, you know, Giannis has not been swept in his career. Charles Barkley says that's one of the things he's the most proud of in his career is he never got swept. Now, if Charles would have played as long as LeBron did, would he have got swept? Probably, right? I, I think that's just the law of large numbers. But still, like, that's, a, that's one for Giannis. And if the Boston Celtics get swept tonight, that is a huge, huge red flag and way bigger than what happened with the Bucks. To wrap it up, uh, I did want to give just a very quick Brewers take. Uh, this team can't play against good teams. I don't want to use the fraud word, uh, but it's looking a little fraudulent right now. Uh, Corbin Burns continues to be kind of bad. Some fans are wondering if he's sabotaging the season. I'm not there yet. I think that's tinfoil hats are on them. Uh, but uh, yeah, losing 12 to two tonight. Now you've lost 30 to three on the last two Mondays. I said in the review, like we gotta rein in our Sunday fun days. Like we have to just take it easy, okay? Like I know you got home from a long road trip. You know you just scrolling through Tinder, Hinge, whatever. And you just wanted to have a night out, but man, oh man, holy shit, guys. Like that that just that's such a bummer of a way to start the week. And you now are three and seven against the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Rays, and the Astros. That tells me you're not ready for the bright lights. Now you can say, Charlie, they Brandon Woodruff, Eric Lauer isn't what they thought that he was going to be. Wade Miley's now hurt. Like they are truly banged up and it's unfair to judge them. I think there is some truth in that, right? But I also, and so maybe I am a little bit too harsh because, you know, they they didn't score. But I mean, they could have had that Friday game with McCallahan or McCallahan. Yeah, I, I probably butchered his name. Uh, Libertor uh, on Wednesday, I felt was was there, was on the plate available. The only ones where it was like, oh yeah, they got outclassed. Well, and they got outclassed that Dodger series, but it, they they had some opportunities. They just did not take advantage of. And I just would like to see the Brewers figure it out against a good team. That's that's all I'm asking for. And yeah, if you win two out of three against the Astros now to finish off the week, my my tune will change by Thursday. I will feel a little bit better about heading into the stadium. But then if you beat up on the Giants this weekend, like, yeah, it's great, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, that Giants team is not very good. 
You know, so we have Colin Ray against JP France. That over-under is at nine and a half. That's probably too low. Colin Ray against this Houston team. Oh, my God. I mean, just we got to hold on for dear fucking life. And you have Adrian Hauser against Brandon Belak on Wednesday. So, I mean, you're not facing a lot of the big aces for the Astros. You're not facing Valdez. Framber would also be a, a no-hitter candidate. So maybe there is an area of opportunity. We'll have to see. I, I will say to to get up to end positively, at least Adrian Hauser's looked all right. So we we'll, that's all I got. That's all I got for you. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk more Brewers um, as we will see you tomorrow with Keg Jams with Shea Ken. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And then Mitch to the day after, and then I'll be back with you on Friday. And of course, if we have Bucks coaching news on Friday, news on Friday, I will be with you on Saturday too. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.